Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. Today, I am very honored to have as my special guest, Barbara Weitzberg, clinical licensed social worker, mom of Stacy, mother-in-law of Steve, and brief grandparent of Alicia, who died in 1997 at age two. Good morning, Barbara, and welcome to Healing the Grieving Heart. Good morning, Gloria, and thanks for doing these shows and including a segment on grandparenting. Well, it's just great to have you on, and I appreciate your, we were talking uh, before the show about how tough it is to go back to these experiences. It's uh, very hard. Could you tell our audience about your story about Alicia and, and uh, the journey that your family went through? Sure, sure. Um, Alyssa was our first grandchild, and I remember the excitement really well of my daughter calling my daughter Stace and saying, guess what, I'm pregnant, and that sense of, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be a grandparent for the first time, and just the anticipation and the excitement and then also the oh, my gosh, could I possibly be old enough to be a grandmother? Um, her pregnancy was very easy. Her sonogram was normal. Um, and um, she called when she was in labor. And at that time, she was in California and I was in Maryland, but I had a ticket ready to go, and I said, I'll be on the next flight out of here. And during the night, she called back to say that Alyssa had been born and that um, we had a baby girl. When I got to the hospital, which was sometime mid-morning, um, we went to the nursery to see her, and there were a lot of staff around her crib, and a portable x-ray machine was there. And from that moment, Stacy really moved into a proactive um, mode, and I was thinking about it earlier, how that um, was the stance that she actually took right from the beginning and it's, what are you doing? That's my baby. Um, why isn't someone telling me what's going on? Um, the next 24 hours were really a nightmare as they tried to figure out what was happening. She was in distress, and they didn't know what it was. And um, She was having breathing problems? No, she actually was having bowel problems. Uh -huh. okay. And how they could tell that, I have no idea. Uh -huh. But they did end up transferring her to... Um, a major hospital in Los Angeles, and um, it took probably about five days before they were able to diagnose the fact that she had a rare um, liver disorder. Um, it's called allergies, named after a French doctor who discovered this syndrome. Um, what we weren't able to know until quite a bit afterwards with genetic testing is that from everything that we can figure out, it was a genetic mutation and not something that was hereditary. But, of course, some of our first thoughts were, okay, let's think about family members. Let's figure out what's, what's going on here. And just trying to sort out um, the impact of having a baby that something was wrong. Mm -hmm. um, she lived um, two years and almost two months and was just incredible. Um, I think she gave us a really beautiful gift. 
um, of her living. And what actually happened, the, the syndrome consists of um, liver problems, kidney, heart, and the doctors were very supportive and promising that they could transplant this and transplant that and everything would be fine. Mm -hmm. I think my husband, though, who is Stacy's um, stepfather since she was um, six years old, I think he had more of a sense that um, they were really trying to do a lot to, um, to take care of her and mm -hmm. he wasn't as hopeful about it and, and I really, I had really mixed feelings but it was more a profound sadness that I had not only for myself but for Stacy and Steve who were struggling with the fact that this was their first child. Um, and so you, how did you feel as a mother with Stacy? Well, I think, I don't remember our exchanging a lot of words. I mm -hmm. think it was more a lot of hugs, um, a lot of um, walks. Um, just we, it was one of those times where we didn't know what we could say to each other. Mm -hmm. And it was such a profound feeling of not only sadness but helplessness that I couldn't kiss it and make her feel better. Mm -hmm. Like you always had been. And how about you? Who was supporting you? Um, you know, I was trying to remember some of that. I, I have several really good friends, and I think that they were the ones, in addition to my husband, that I could call at any time and just say, I've just got to unload, or I've just got to talk, or here's what's happening now. Were you staying out there? Were you in California a lot then? Oh, uh, yes. Actually, I... Um, stayed for, um, well, Alyssa was in the um, neonatal intensive care for a month, and I stayed there, and then I stayed beyond after she um, came home to help Stacy, and then what I did is I would go back to California every four to six weeks to help because she had uh, liver problems that caused itching, and so she didn't sleep very much, so Stacy was up almost. You now, know, did she bond more. with you, or were you just supporting Stacy, or were you holding the baby and taking care of her? And um, actually, I felt at times as though I was her mom as well. What Stacy and I did is that she did the evening, uh, the late evening feedings and taking care of her, and I got up. Uh, Stacy would wake me like around two in the morning, and then I would take the rest of the night and into the morning so Stacy could get sleep. And so I was helping with the feedings and the medications and um, walking her and just really bonded very, very much with her. I, I felt at times like, like she was my child rather than my grandchild. We're very fortunate today to have Steve's father, Alyssa's uh, grandfather, uh, the paternal grandfather, and uh, Barbara is the maternal grandmother, and so we are going to have them both on the show right now, and uh, I think it would be great if um, we could have Harvey on when we talk about Alyssa's death. Oh, Harvey dropped. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's go on, Barbara, and talk about it, and then Harvey will probably come back on. Okay. Okay. Um, Alyssa had gone into the hospital for what they thought was um, an ear infection, and because her kidneys were um, not doing well, they felt they couldn't give her an antibiotic. And so what they did instead is they took her into surgery to drain what they thought um, 
was infection. Now you were you were there. And oh, I was actually in Maryland. And, so you were in um, Maryland. Were the other family members there? The other Harvey family members. There? Yes, the other family members were in California with them, where they all live. And uh-huh. um, how did you hear about it? So they took her in, and she died in the they, operating room. Or? They died. She evidently died right after the surgery was completed. And um, Stacy called us, and my so it, it was really a surprise. Yes, mm-hmm. it was. It was very much a surprise. And the call came in around midnight. Woke us up. My husband answered the phone, and I heard cardiac arrest. And it was just a time where we were both pacing the floor, and oh my gosh, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. and uh, again flew back out to California. Uh, he, your husband flew with you then. Um, no, actually, we went separately. Because mm-hmm. So you were by yourself. How was that as a grandmother flying and by yourself? Um, I remember thinking I wanted I, the world was normal, and I felt like it shouldn't be normal, and I wanted to tell all these people, but, of course, you don't do that. Right, and I remember there. that same feeling of almost wanting to scream, you know, stop laughing, stop talking, stop living. My grandchild has just died. Right, don't you know that, yeah. And yeah. it was... Um, I think something that uh, the body luckily does, which is kind of go into a numb uh, mode, so that when you're asking me this question, I'm thinking, hmm, wonder what I was thinking about when I was by myself. I, I don't even remember it. It's, it's all a fog. Mm-hmm. So, you got, so you got to the hospital in a fog. and um... I, We actually um, met at Stacy's in-law's house where everybody had gathered, and then we met outside as we drove up, and they were, Stacy and Steve were outside. And all I really remember is a lot of crying and a lot of hugging and none of the words. Mm -hmm. Um, They have a lot of friends there since Steve was um, born and raised there, and everybody seemed really, really supportive and surrounded them. Did you feel like an outsider at all walking into this situation? I didn't because they had been around us for the two years and the Mm -hmm. events, the baby naming, the birthday parties, and I was always there. And so I felt very supported. It was when I came back to Maryland where then that's where um, I had some difficulty because it, it went from a situation of so many people in a very supportive atmosphere to being very, very by myself. Mm-hmm. And how did you deal with that? Um, I think what I did the most was start to call um, friends that, and also I had a very good friend here who I could talk to about it, and even though she hadn't had that experience, she just was with me the whole way. Um, eventually I went for some short-term counseling. Mm-hmm. And but also, you never joined a grandparents group or anything? I actually tried to start a grandparents group. And when I had the energy, I sent out letters to a hundred different religious institutions and only heard back from two. Wonderful idea, great idea, definitely needed, but I was only able to get two other sets of grandparents to come to a couple of groups. And then one decided they just couldn't deal with it. So um, the group did not continue. Because one of the things the literature shows is grandparents uh, don't get a lot of support from parent groups. They almost need it separately because they end up in the hierarchical uh, parenting the the, the three parents rather than meeting their own needs. 
And I think that um, they definitely are disenfranchised grievers. There's just there's really not a place to go with the grief. The questions I would get was, how's your daughter doing? How's your son-in-law doing? And I remember answering their question and silently walking away thinking, gosh, I sure wish they'd ask me how I'm doing. Mm-hmm. How about the uh, other grandparents? Were you able to connect up with them, Steve's uh, parents? Or definitely. Definitely. When we were out there together, we spent um, a lot of time together. We talked about Alyssa. Um, we we wanted to, I guess, honor her memory by keeping that memory alive. And so luckily for our family, it didn't move into a mode of, well, we don't want to talk about it. It's over mm-hmm. with. And so I think it really helped everyone to continue mentioning her name, talking about it, sharing stories. Mm-hmm. You know, um, would, did you have any religious differences or issues? Um, no, not in our particular case. Um, the one thing that kind of is a little bit aside of your question that I found fascinating is as a clinical social worker, I worked in a mental health agency. And it was fascinating me, to me to find that the um, clinicians that I worked with actually were afraid to ask me anything about Alyssa because they had that sense that if they asked me, I would suddenly be thinking about her, not um, able to acknowledge or recognize that I thought about her all the time and that asking about her would have been helpful rather than hurtful. Mm -hmm. And I think that's um, a misconception that is out um, in the world of, you know, people when they're not grieving, they, they don't realize that the person who's grieving um, is thinking about that person all the time. and, and Yeah, especially maybe with a grandparent where you've been uh, separated by many miles, too. I just want to see, did we happen to get Harvey back on the line yet? <laughs> no, I guess we don't. So I just wanted, uh, oh, I just wanted, didn't want to cut um, Harvey off if he comes sure, back. Sure, Absolutely. But anyway, all right, I, I wanted to, one of the things that I'm getting, the sense I'm getting from you is that your family was, uh, didn't have any issues before the death or any huge issues. Um, not that I can think of. Yeah, because, uh, things seem to have gone pretty smoothly, which sometimes they don't in families, and I'm sure you've seen that too. Absolutely. Because you will grieve the loss of your grandparent or your child, uh, the way you've lived your life. There are a lot of, um, I actually wrote a, a book uh, on in-laws, in, in-law issues, which mm-hmm. you see a lot in therapy. So if you've got in-law problems before, it can be pretty dramatic after. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, so uh, not, it, it, uh, there's a lot of complaints apparently from um, bereaved parents in groups that they do not feel supported enough by their parents mm-hmm. at the, t- the loss of their child. I think also there's the issue that the parents don't know what it's like to be a grandparent who's lost a child, and the grandparent doesn't know what it's like to be a parent who's lost a child. And I think there's an awkwardness there that even though Stacy and I are very close, I think it was really difficult. We were both in a different place, and I think it was very difficult to to talk about it in words. It was more, I felt like, in doing something like bringing her a special present or spending time with her or let's go, uh, do you want to go sit at the ocean or do you want to take a walk or just 
trying to think of ways to, I don't know, to help her with self-care. Right, but, and then um, and then how about yourself, helping yourself with self-care? You know, did you get depressed at all? I don't think I got depressed as much as I was sad. I think there was this profound sadness that um, and searching, and I think the searching that I didn't realize at the time was part of, the grieving process, and everything seemed so upside down um, that I questioned everything. Um, why did the doctor, why did it happen? Why did the doctors, why did, you know, wh- what about religion? I mean, everything that could possibly come up came up. But I think I fairly quickly realized that it was the wrong path to go in that it would just give me more... Um, Unrest, and um, so it wasn't the why. It was I, I kind of made a shift to okay, how how am I going to deal with this, and how can I how can I take care of myself as a, a bereaved grandparent, right. rather yeah. than just trying to take care of other people as a parent, right? Uh, and I think probably some of the depression that um, older people have. I know I have an aunt who's quite depressed is may be related to this and they don't even connect into it, that they um, that they have the right to be sad, the right to be bereaved, and that it does take time and even years mm-hmm. to to deal with the loss of the grandchild and the lost feeling. Barbara was and I were talking about the kind of support that uh, grandparents get. Can you tell us what kind of support you got as a as a uh, grandfather? I know guys are supposed to supposed to be strong. Did you feel like you needed it? How were you after Alyssa's death? Well, in my mind, Alyssa never died, and I was there when she did die. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's in my heart, uh-huh. and when I go to work, I have to pass by the cemetery that she now rests in. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, she's always with me. Uh huh. And did you feel like uh, it's been what eight years? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Did you feel um, support from people? Did you need it? Um, no, I don't think I did. Uh, I'm rather a strong character, and uh, my biggest worry were about my children, Steve, and I consider Stacy one of my children too. Mm-hmm. Whether they could handle it. Uh huh. That was my biggest worry, and they came through with flying colors. Now, do you remember any uh, special things that you did, or? Um, you know, the things that happened. Does anything pop out in your memory about about the events around it? Well, uh, I was there when Alyssa went in for surgery. Mm-hmm. And all I could remember is praying to God, take me. Don't take that little girl. She's got a long time to live. And uh, that's about it. Uh, I handled it fairly well. In fact, I went down to see her after she had died. Mm-hmm. Stacy was holding her, and uh, men aren't supposed to cry, but I did ball. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And we went forward from there because that's the way life is. You have to go forward no matter what happens. You hate to see it, but you go forward. Uh-huh. Well, you know, you're bringing up some of the points that I've been doing a little bit of reading because I'm not a brief grandparent, but some of the points that come up around that, uh, the survival guilt. You know what? Or you know the survival thought. Why wasn't it me? Things are supposed to happen in this, in this sequence, and they're not happening in this time. 
So it sounds like you had that thought. Do you feel like, I would guess that you're probably pretty supportive of your wife, too. Well, I try to be. Yeah, uh, and you, then during that time, did you feel like you were, uh, uh, you know, that was part of your job? Uh, yes. Uh, my wife uh, needed a little bit of help. Uh, she took it a lot harder than I did, and uh, I tried to back her up. Mm-hmm. There is no, as you know, there are no groups for grandparents, so we didn't join one. Uh-huh. Now, do you think if there had been one, you would have? Barb and I were talking about that a little bit. She tried to start one in the East, and she couldn't get people. Possibly. So. Possibly. Uh, I'm sort of a very strong character. If my wife, my wife could have probably used it, and then I would have backed her up, and we would have both gone. Right, right. So Stacy and Steve, they do Compassionate Friends. Oh, yeah. I think this is one of the things that probably helped them through this whole thing. And now they run a group, as you know. Mm-hmm. So they are still doing it. And, of course, Alyssa lives in our hearts, as well as the charities we support and so on and so forth in her name. Mm-hmm. I was saying, uh, yeah, tell us about those. Well, uh, Steve tries to run a golf tournament, as you know. Right. Uh, at least once a year. And then there are, we have, uh, to refresh my memory, at UCLA, uh, there's a house for children. Yeah, maybe Barbara would tell us about that. I, I'm you? trying to remember the name of the house, but. Can't remember it either, Barb. <laughs> uh, Before that, though, there is a museum. Um, a children's museum in, I think, downtown L.A., and there is a tree um, that is in her memory. It's, it's um, I don't think it's a real tree, or maybe part of it is, but children come in and they can take um, different color um, paper and um, pipe cleaners and make flowers and put flowers on the tree. And it's just a really very... Um, sweet um, sight to me when I go to see it and that other children are able to um, sit around the tree and also put flowers on the tree. Um, There's also a picnic area in the museum for mm-hmm. the kids to play and set up and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And that's a permanent project. And now with this children's hospital at UCLA. Now they're the in a room in her name, aren't they? Yeah, I, I think a playroom. what it is is a playroom where the families stay of children who are ill, who are getting treatment at the hospital. I want to say like Taverna House or something like that, but I guess I cannot think of it for the life of me. We were just there, Barbara. Remember? I know we were there very recently. Well, it sounds like that you uh, all, as grandparents, uh, kind of have a nice um, working relationship around Alyssa. Definitely. Oh yeah. Now, have uh, Stacy and Steve have other children? Yes, they have two healthy children, thank God. Now, how do you, uh, and Barb, I would like you to think about this too and let me know, how do you keep Alyssa's memory alive for them? Do you feel like that's part of your role as a grandparent or, you know? Whenever something comes up in respect to Alyssa, we bring her name out and they know that she passed away and that she was the firstborn, and their sister. Mm-hmm. 
So we, that way we keep it alive, and uh, I'm sure it'll be kept alive uh, as long as we're alive and as long as the parents are alive. Wonderful stories that grandparents bring in. Bark, well, you know, when somebody asks me how many grandchildren I have, I'm fortunate. I have one that uh, has passed away and five that are alive, so I tell them I have six grandchildren. That's great, because that is a big uh, question for people at times. Did you always feel comfortable about saying that? Absolutely. Absolutely. How about you, Barb? Um, actually, I did not, and I weighed who I wanted to say what to. <laughs> so sometimes I would say I have um, four grandchildren plus one who died. Sometimes I would say I have five grandchildren and not mention that Alyssa died. It really depended on the situation. That was early on. Now I don't hesitate to... Um, say, um, I do have one grandchild who died, and she was my first. Mm-hmm. Now, do you, are you all the same religion? Are there any religious differences, or were there any um, differences in how you wanted to, um, the funeral or anything around that? We're all the same religion. Okay. So that made it a lot easier, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the parents, as far as I'm concerned, would have to designate what they want, and we have to back them up. Mm-hmm. Because they're going to take it harder than the grandparents, in my opinion, anyway. Well, um, that's true. Except I was saying uh, on my, I do a little uh, prologue before. Some grandparents are the primary caregivers. That's true. That's true, but not in this case. Yeah, but not in this case, right? So, so you're feeling that that the parents would take it harder with it. I, I always think now about primary caregivers who who feels that really responsibility for that individual's everyday life, every moment. Uh, well, I have to keep in mind that Alyssa was a sick little girl on birth, mm-hmm. and Stacy and Steve gave their all to taking care of her. So they were extra, extra special primary caregivers. Right, yeah. I think also, Gloria, that um, we were fortunate in that the family really came together when she died as well, and both sets of grandparents and um, Stacy and Steve went to the mortuary to um, to help Stacy and Steve with um, you know setting up all the funeral arrangements. And even though um, we were along, they basically decided and they chose what they wanted for her. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what? Give me some advice. What advice would you have for grandparents who? Um, have had a child die in the family. Do you want to start with that one, Harvey? (laughs) That's a good question. Uh, I already stated how I feel. I feel that upwards and onwards, uh, you must not let this child out of your memory, but you have to go forward. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to keep a child in your memory when it was a special child. And this was a very special child. I must also tell you that Alyssa is buried below her great-grandparents. Ah. So they're looking over her, too. Uh Uh-huh. So we feel that this child is not with us in body, but she's with us in spirit. So you've been able to. So you would say to people, uh, do not despair. Try to keep your child with you in your heart, um, give this legacy to the other children in the family, 
um, you know, it, it's wonderful that your family's so close. For some families, this is not quite as easy. Yeah, but, um, yeah, but uh, in some ways, maybe they could journal, they could write letters to the child, um, uh, have conversations. I've had heard grandparents do that, where they actually talk to the child and um, those kinds of responses. So. I think that's where it was an advantage that... Um being a clinician and specializing in bereavement and loss that I I knew at least intellectually some of the things such as self-care. And I guess that's the point that I would like to stress how important it is that each person um, find a way to care for themselves. Um, I think it's really How did you do it? Um, I did a lot of uh, communing with nature, did a lot of walking, a lot of trips to where there was water, um, music that I enjoyed, um, talking to friends. I I think it's really important that we do our grieving separately as well as together and not I've worked with clients who are really um, turning to their children because they're in such pain and I think it's really important that they find a way to take care of their grief because certainly their children are dealing with their own grief. Uh, yes, I think that they're not going to get too much if they turn to their children for their grief, because um, as I said earlier on the show, I think you're so devastated that um, it would be pretty hard having your um, parents have, uh, turning to you. Absolutely. Although uh, it would be wonderful if you were in that good a shape to do it. <laughs> I, I certainly wasn't. Um, Harv, uh, have you, I know you're a golfer. Yes, ma'am. So uh, one of the things that I would say, physical exercise, what's your thought on that? Well, yeah, physical exercise does it. Uh, takes your mind off of what you're thinking about. You have to think about that little white golf ball. Right. Or if you're in the gym, you have to think about the pain you're incurring while you're working out. <laughs> right. So that gets you focused. Um, some other things that I think are, you know, staying healthy, drinking water, uh, trying to sleep, uh, I know older people sometimes, and as grandparents, we are older people, have sleeping issues. Do you guys have any thoughts on that for grandparents? My thought is actually more what to avoid, and that is I really encourage, and I myself um, also do not drink, but the idea of turning to alcohol or drugs I think is a dangerous way to try to get through the process of grieving. And I think it just covers up the pain which um, is going to be there once the drinking and the drugs stop. So my suggestion is to be able to recognize that grieving is a process that we need to walk through. I mean, that, that um, psalm about walking through the valley of the shadow of death is not something that we just do at the funeral or in a day or two days. Everybody takes whatever amount of time they need to get through it and it's always different than what society suggests that we do. Mm -hmm. Harv, um, are you all, what religion are you? I'm Jewish. Yeah. Could you tell us, I know, I just want to talk a little bit about the, have you talk about the rituals? Because I know the Jewish um, faith has some wonderful rituals connected to grief. Yes, there are some, uh, and it's a way of getting your grieving out into the open and getting past it. And could you, uh, you sit Shiva for seven days, is that right? Yes. And could you tell our audience what that is? 
Well, it's actually, well, I don't know how to put it into words. Maybe Barbara can do it better than that. Um, it, it can be from anywhere from three to five um, evenings where there are prayers that are said. Um, friends and family gather to say the prayers, and there's always a lot of food. But I think the, the part that starts the healing is that you keep telling the story over and over again that um, as you're amongst your friends and they'll ask a question or the conversation comes up, it's a way that the grievers can talk out loud about what happened and um, share some of their feelings. So it's, it's considered part of the um, beginning of the healing process. So what we know is that uh, about grief is that telling the story is important, and, and this is a, a wonderful setting, an ancient setting of a way to tell the story. So one of the things that we could tell our listeners and going from that is uh, as grandparents, you need to find settings where you can tell your story. Mm-hmm. And also to be with friends that don't want to, I like the expression called happy you up, where you can somebody who will sit with you and sit with your pain and be able to to hear you out. Yeah, and Harv, I was thinking for for men, uh, this is really wonderful because they don't get this opportunity as much as women do, I don't think. That's true, but I feel more on not friends but family support. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of that in our family, which I'm very happy for. Mm -hmm. And and so being able to tell your story and everyone knows knows the story together. It's great. Now, is there some kind of, I know, I don't know if this is Jewish. I'd heard about it before, but about putting a black cloth over the um, tombstone and going to the cemetery a year later. <clears throat> is that part of your family tradition or ritual? Well, actually, uh, what that is is uh, acknowledging the fact of the death and also the tombstone being put in place. In this case, it's just a plaque. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get together, a rabbi says a few prayers, and uh, we go forward. And this is a year later? Yes. So so there's, is it ex- on the exact date? or it's We try to make it, it that way. To be, and now it seems like it's varying a little bit depending on if you're in a climate where if it's the dead of winter, then they do it before, um, before the year and before the winter. So it, there's been some flexibility. I know. Uh, I was in Israel last year, and I know one of the traditions that they have over there, our guide was telling us, is that they take a stone mm-hmm. and put it on the... People go... When they visit, they put a stone on the headstone or right. buy it there, and when the family comes, they can see how many people, you know, Rather remember. Rather than flowers, right. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is we very feel that flowers are inane, or I feel that flowers are inane, uh, Better you should take the money and support some group. Mm-hmm. And so you have, have done that for your family, and I know oh, some people with scholarships. The Parker Foundation. Uh, and you have, have you've done a foundation? Oh yes. Right. No, Steve and Stacy have. Oh, they have done a foundation. They have done the foundation, and of course Barbara and her husband and myself and my wife we support it thoroughly. Mm-hmm. That's great. I, um, they're very lucky, Steve and Stacy, to have a family. Um, like you, who um, you know are united in this, and you're and as grandparents, it sounds like that you've done a good job um, being able to do that together. Now, uh, 
some of the issues that we haven't talked about here that are difficult for grandparents are um, when they have in-law issues, but also when there are divorces in the family, estranged people are coming in, um, people have been angry, they've had problems um, dealing with mother-in-law problems or whatever. And, and uh, one family was telling me that um, the mother actually, grandmother was taking care of her granddaughter when the, her kids were on a cruise and found out that the granddaughter had leukemia. And she had to take care of the granddaughter, tell the family, had to do all of those activities, and then went back home after supporting them through this whole thing and only to find out, um, you know, to feel isolated like you were talking about, Barbara. Mm -hmm. So um, everything isn't always uh, rosy, but you certainly have given us some wonderful ideas today on what grandparents can do and also on how you've dealt with your grief and with the loss of Alyssa. And I want to thank you both so much for being on the show and um, making us aware about grandparents' loss, and it's wonderful to talk to you both. So um, we're coming to the end of the show, and thanks a lot for being on the show today, you guys. Thank you. Our pleasure. Thank you for allowing us to give our thoughts to the other people. That's great. Thanks. You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. You can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com.